learn from you. I ask, Lord, that you would help us today uh, to hear your voice and what it is that you would say to us and to draw closer to you and to each other. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, so we are right now um, in the middle of uh, three weeks of prayer and fasting. That's something that we do uh, each year. It's kind of a way to help us grow as believers. Um, you may have never been exposed to this before, and that's why we have a, a variety of information about it on our website, and we've printed and handed out in the previous six weeks. Uh, but really, it's because it's become a conviction of ours to start the year more focused on God than on anything else. Are you with me? We're going to start the year more focused on God than anything else. As a church, our stated purpose is to be helping people connect with Jesus, grow in faith, and share his love. And what we do, everyone in this room, right? What we do is important to whether or not we're doing this. And so if this is your home church, this should kind of start to become woven into how you live, how you think. Uh, we didn't, this isn't just our words or our ideas. They're not original to us. We pull this from the Bible. We pull this from the scripture. Um, and we believe that it's a part of the purpose for every person who is a Jesus believer. Um, it's simple. It's straightforward. A lot of times the plain, simple truth of scripture um, is missed. And we don't want to miss that, right? And so that's why we're starting the year uh, with three weeks of prayer and fasting. And we've lifted from Matthew 6.33, where this is kind of the largest block in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 of Jesus talking. It's one long talk that's written down. It's one of the few longer talks of Jesus written down. And it's before he stopped teaching in plain street Greek, in plain talk, and he shifted later to just stories. But this is where he's in just speaking plainly and teaching people. He's healed people. He has had many occasions where he's called everyone that he was talking to to repent, to confess their sins, their mistakes, and ask for God's forgiveness and love. And now he started to teach them. He started to teach them about God and about what this life means. And once you have repented, once you have turned to God, what does that mean and how does that look? And so from this teaching, there's a couple of points where there's a turning point in the talk that Jesus is giving. And one of the turning points we find in Matthew 6 and verse 33. In Matthew 6 verse 33 from the New Living, it puts it like this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Now, Jesus has continued on this theme that he's been on, which is love God with all you've got and love others the way that you would love yourself. So that's what live righteously means. That word righteous is I'm in right relationship with God and I'm in right relationship with other people. Okay, now that's not an easy thing. Jesus knows that's not an easy thing. He knows that we would need help with it, which is why he talks about it so much. How many of you know that in the Bible I can find answers to questions that I have today? Right? I mean, that, welcome to City Bible Church. We believe that God's revealed himself to us and we find it here. Now, seek first. Uh, most translations say at the beginning of this verse, 
Seek first. Jesus uses that word first, which means, hey, this is more important than. Um, it is something that you do before. In, in the street Greek, when Jesus said this word first, it means it's the first thing that you do. It's first in order. But it also means this is more important than, more strategic than the other things that you would give your life to. And so when Jesus uses that word, especially the grammar, the way that he used it, that's what they would have taken away from it. Now, I find that if we're honest outside of church, a lot of us would not have taken this seek first the kingdom of God to mean much that really affects how we live our day to day life. But if we dig into it, we find that there's a plain, simple truth. And that is that the things of God are more important than what I would do by myself when left to my own devices. Did you catch what I'm saying there? The things of God, let's just start with that. We don't have time this month to go into an exhaustive teaching on the kingdom of God. But the things of God, God's stuff. It's more important than, it's more valuable than, it's better than the things of me. Right? And so Jesus is calling us to live our life in such a way where we would set aside the things of me in order that we would seek the things of him. And so that's one reason why we would take three weeks at the beginning of the year to no meats, no sweets as a whole church, or, you know, talk to your doctor about fasting. We've kind of had all that conversation before. We do not fast so that our sins will be forgiven. We can ask that our sins can be forgiven, but fasting does not bring forgiveness of sins. God brings forgiveness of sins. We do not fast to earn more favor with God. Fasting is not so that God will love you more. God already loved you all that with all that he's got that's why he sent Jesus fasting doesn't bring more of God's love on you now it does increase our awareness of him because when we strip away the things of the flesh when we strip away carnal things I'm using we, we don't have many guests today so I'm gonna use some bigger words you okay with that when we strip those things away my flesh becomes weaker so that my spirit can become stronger Are you with me? Now, Jesus, the, the Bible says that Jesus is the head of the church for the benefit of the church. So when Jesus instructs us, it's for our benefit. Jesus knew this would help us. So when we seek first the kingdom of God, there's a reason for it. It benefits us. Now, one of the things that we want to do during this season is to allow God the time and space to point out things that are on the inside of us or that are in our life around us that need to be cut out. And then point out to us the things that he wants to put in our life. Do you catch what I'm saying there? It's, time, it's good to pause every once in a while and say, okay, God, I'm an open book. Cut out what you want to cut out, put in what you want to put in. Are you with me? Okay, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. I want to give us a little bit of background And then I'm going to move through a variety of scriptures pretty quickly today, wrap up with the heart of the matter, and then we're going to close with communion and prayer, okay? So Hebrews chapter 10, and I'd like to start in verse 19. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, you go right on through, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right? And we go to Hebrews. What's right before Hebrews? Thank you. No, Philemon. 
Don't leave out Phil. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Hebrews chapter 10. And I want to start in verse 19. Okay, I think most of us are there now. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now this letter is written in particular to people that were born into or had converted into the Jewish faith, into Judaism, and would have been going to the temple and would have ceremonies and uh, festivals and times of repentance, times of remembrance, where the temple that was in Jerusalem was an important part of their life. And so that's a part of the context of what he's writing about here. And just as God did when God instructed them in how to set up a tent when they were still traveling, just as he did then, he had instructed them with the temple that there would be a holy of holies, that there would be a most holy place in that temple that would be where, in their perception, the presence of God literally was. Now, what was before the Holy of Holies was a floor-to-ceiling, a curtain. Heavy, thick, single-piece curtain. And that's the curtain that when we read in the Gospel accounts when Jesus was crucified, when he gave up his spirit and his body died, that's the curtain that was torn from top to bottom, as a symbol of God showing that now because of Jesus, because Jesus paid the price for our sins, we can enter the presence of God. Whew, I am thankful for that. Amen. Right? Some of you are thankful you don't have to stay in this cold theater. You could go get in front of your fireplace. I'm thankful that I can get into the presence of God, that I can boldly, not because of any good works I have done, but because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. It's grace. It doesn't matter who my parents were. It doesn't matter what I have done. It doesn't matter what, can, what I could be convicted of. It is the grace that I can find in Jesus that allows me to be confident that I can trust God and He will do what He said He would do. Now let's go to Hebrews 12. Just flip, for me, I just flip one page, Hebrews 12, and I want to read verses 1 through 3. Are you Okay. This is kind of building. I'm excited. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus 
the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross and its shame. Disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. The writer of Hebrews here is very specifically talking about the fact, the reality, that we can give up, we can lose hope, we can start to pursue selfish and carnal desires instead of continuing in our faith in Jesus. And he's warning us to not do that, to strip off, to cut out, to remove, to put down those things that so easily weigh us down and trip us up. He's talking to believers. This letter is written to believers. There's not a single person in this room that is perfect. We all have things that, you know, that it may not affect somebody else, but it affects you. You know, I talk in paragraphs, not sentences or single words like my dad would. And so that, that like, so then my mouth will get me in trouble, right? We all have our thing. Right? We have deep pain. We self-medicate in different ways. We all have different ways. We all have sin that needs to be put down. But as Hebrews 10 says, I can trust God because He is who He says He is. He will do what He said He will do. I can boldly enter the presence of God because what Jesus has already accomplished as my high priest and thinking with eternal eyes on Being aware that there are people that are in eternity that are watching us. I can live this life with endurance, this race that God has set before me by keeping my eyes on Jesus, thinking about what Jesus went through. In that, I can have confidence. I can be in a personal love relationship with my God, the one true living God. I can be in a personal relationship with him that is successful, that brings me strength, that brings me peace, that in that I can say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? Now in that, we're called to set these things aside. Let me read a little bit of scripture to you this morning. In 2 Chronicles six fourteen. You keep your covenant and show unfailing love to all who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. Now, I don't want you to focus on the negative and feel like, oh, I don't have wholehearted devotion. No, I want you to focus on what we learn from God in this verse. Who is God? God is the one who keeps his promises, who does what he said he will do. And God is the one who shows unfailing love. Someone else's love may have failed you. God's will not. He is full of unfailing love. Now, we do have a responsibility here to approach him with wholehearted devotion. Many of you would be familiar with Jeremiah 29.11. Jeremiah 29.11 and Joel 2 have been some of the most misquoted, but some of the most inspirational verses in the Bible with Christians lately. I'd like to look at a rephrasing of Jeremiah 29.11 and the verses that follow I know what I'm doing. This is God talking to his people. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. And most translations say a hope and a future. Now God continues with this. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. 
When you come looking for me, you'll find me. God's not playing hide and seek. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. Joel 2, apart from the the, the verses that get quoted so much, God says this, Turn to me now. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Return to the Lord your God, for He is merciful and compassionate. The psalmist writes this, Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I want to talk to you about this, allowing God to search you. It's so important that we cut out everything else. And it's a seasonal thing. And sometimes you can be going through a season of life where you've never done this before and you do this for a long period of time. And other times it can be a one day a month thing. It can be a three days a quarter thing. But I would encourage you, you have a spirit. You have a spirit that needs to be strengthened. And your spirit will be strengthened the deeper your personal love relationship with God is. God, great is His faithfulness and His tender mercies are new every morning. Every morning, God has something new He wants to speak to you, something new He wants to share with you, a next step in your relationship with Him. But at times, I've got to drop everything. I've got to shut everything else out and I've got to say, search me, O God. Shut out the voices of other people. Some of us have to turn off the chatterbox of what other people have said about you. I had things that were said to me and about me as a teenager that stuck with me when I was 12 years old. Evil stuff that was said, things that were hurt, I was messed with. And I know what it is that you need to go through a healing process to shut the chatterbox, to shut the mouth of those things that were said about you. That's not God. What does God say about you? Do you know what God says about you? God loves you. God is for you. God didn't design you. God doesn't create anything that is identical. Not one thing. Not any snowflake. Not any animal. The more you get to know animals, they have different faces. They have different personalities. I used to have fish. I could tell you this one has this kind of personality and that one is that And that's a fish. <laughs> Just ask Chris and Abby about their cats or Joe and Anna about their dogs. God doesn't create anything that's the same. He created you with purpose. He created you with a design. He loves you. He cares for you. He has promise over your life. He has dreams for you. God's not done with you yet. You're here today. He provided you. Who do you think put the clothes on your back? Who do you think put the food on your table? God cares for you. He loves you. You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You're not the garbage that other people might think. You are a child of the living God. He loves you. He cares for you. You've got purpose today, even in rest. You're here today because today is your Sabbath. A day of rest, a day of reflecting, a day of enjoying the love of God. Resting is a part of God's purpose for your life. 
Why else would he create for six days and rest on the seventh? Rest takes faith. Reflecting on the goodness of God and not focusing on your problems takes faith. It's a faith that God wants you to have and it's a faith that God wants you to exercise. Search me, O God. Point out anything in me that offends you. We need God's not here to hurt you. God's not going to live give you a list of 12 things. God's not going to overwhelm you. He's not going to overburden you. Let me tell you, in in following this through scripture and through counseling and through my years of discipling people and mentoring people, let me tell you something. When the Holy Spirit is working on a person, he works on one thing at a time. Because the Holy Spirit is gentle because the Holy Spirit is for you. He never overwhelms us. You got to change this and change that and change this and change that. No, God doesn't work like that. We shouldn't fear. It's not like uh, uh, my kids have seen these, these, these videos of when parents put their, their preteens in front of the computer screen with a little video and then a scary face that pops up. Some of you have seen that. Like, I don't know why people torture their kids. But that's not what time with God should be like. Okay, I'm going to be quiet for a minute. Ah! If I believe that God is not the scary old bitter man in the clouds with a stick waiting to smack me, if I believe that that's not God, but that instead he is who he said he is, he is full of love, full of peace, full of joy, then I should have no fear in turning everything with the screen off, shutting everyone else in my life out for some moments to say, search me, O God, and point out anything that offends me. That, that offends you, that is in me. God's not going to overwhelm you. God's only going to point out something that is going to help you. And guess what? He's going to help you. He's going to help you. Just a few other verses to make sure that you all know that I'm not Looney Tunes. Psalmist writes in his prayer to God, Test my motives and my heart. Solomon, Proverbs 17, 3, the Lord tests the hearts. From the Ten Commandments, even it was God who spoke of this heart focus issue. Have no other God before me. That's where Jesus is in this, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He's in this talking about the old law because he's here to fulfill it, to confirm it, to complete it. And he's trying to explain to them what life in the new means. That's why he says, you've heard it said, thou shalt not kill. But I would say that if you call somebody else a fool, you have murder in your heart. Jesus is talking about heart issue, heart focus. He says, you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit adultery. I'm here to tell you, if you look at somebody else with lust in your heart, you already have committed adultery in your heart with them. For Jesus, it's about heart issues. And when Jesus talks about heart issues, he says, love God with all that you've got. I find that for most humans, we're born into selfishness. We want to please ourselves and we don't mind so much that life drifts towards complexity. I got to do this, I got to do that, and I've got this hobby, that hobby, this hobby, that hobby. You might be that if I asked you if you had a hobby, you'd say, no, what the heck is a hobby? But you have a bunch of casual things that you do that fill the time. 
Search me, O God. Search me, O God. John, who was who loved Jesus so much and who was a great pastor, John wrote this. Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. If you track the Old Testament, you start to read the Psalms that refer back to the journey of God's people in the Old Testament. You read Hebrews, you read Jesus and Paul that refer back to what God was doing with the people in the Old Testament. If you track that, it wasn't about the Ten Commandments. It wasn't about the miracles. It wasn't about the plagues. It wasn't about the promises or the covenant even. It was about the heart relationship between God and his people. God wanted their hearts. He wanted their love. Over and over, God says, I provided this for you. I did this for you. And yet you turned away from me. And when he calls them back, he always calls them back by their heart. Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your heart. The reality is that that's idolatry. Yes, we have in this neighborhood, Buddhism, Islam, Mormonism, We've got paganism. We've got a lot of isms that are also idolatry. But the most rampant idolatry that is rampant in the church is this selfish allowing anything else to creep in on God's place in our heart. God should fuel my passion my affection, my Twitter patient, my, you remember that first crush you had in, in middle school or whenever it was, you know, first grade for me, other people, you know, high school, whatever, that first crush, this little, little blonde haired girl from Texas when I was a first grader, I was like, wow, she's amazing. She looks like an angel. That's the affection that God should fire in your heart. Now, I've got to give him time. I've got to open the word. I've got to learn about him and who he is and how he thinks and what he's like to give him a chance to woo me, to win my heart, to win me over. But it also takes a decision that I need to make that nothing will take God's place in my heart. John also said this, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. Remember, a time with God is not watching this scary video waiting for the pop-up. No. No, 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 no. Be quick to receive His forgiveness because He is quick to give it. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive it. There are sins of omission when I don't do what I should do. And there are sins of commission where I do what I should not do. Sometimes we need a helpful reminder from Scripture that not giving God the full love of my heart, it's a sin. It's a sin. It's a sin. God loves you. He's for you. He cares about you. He's right there waiting, ready to spend time with you, to speak to you, to heal you. We've got to remember that. You know, um, with this uh, rehab I've been doing on my ACL, I've been using these ACE wraps to wrap 
ice packs and stuff around my knee and everything else. You know, I was, I was kind of still in that phase where I'm in pain every day. And I was looking at this one the other day, all crumpled up on the floor. And I was like, oh, did I leave that there? That looks terrible. You know, it was just kind of a hot mess, you know, sitting over there on the floor, just kind of distracting. And, you know, now I didn't create this thing, so this isn't a perfect analogy. But it serves its purpose when it's either wrapped around holding something onto my leg or when I come over and what I always do is I just take one end and I just roll it up. And what if this thing tried to run away from me? That'd be kind of freaky. What if this thing says, no, 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 I'm, I'm happy with the mess that I am crumpled over here in the corner. Leave me alone. I would still be capable of rolling it up, but it would still be a mess. See, it's not just that God wants to forgive and take away our guilt. It's not just that God wants to heal us in our bodies and in our souls. It's also that he wants to kind of iron things out. So roll them out. He wants to make it right. You have things in, your, in the inside of you that need to be made right? Thoughts and attitudes that, that need to be set right? God's waiting for an opportunity. He's waiting for us to pause and say, search me, O God, and know my heart. He's right there. He's ready. He's waiting. And that's one of the, one of the benefits, one of the reasons that we take this three-week time of prayer is because I know that if you will take it personally and you will make God the most important thing to you, that you will be better. Whether you ever say a word to me about it or interact with me at all or not, that, I'm not worried about that. If you put God as number one in your life and you give dedicated time, now remember, it's not just like, oh, I'm going I'm to starve myself. Well, that's not a diet. That's just stupid, Right? But it's when I cut out other things so that I give God more of my time and attention and energy. That's the more important part of what we're doing. I'm giving God more of my time and energy than in a normal part of the year. And I'm not calling you to to do something that is way beyond what you've ever done before. If you don't pray, I want to invite you to pray. Just try one word, one phrase every day. If you're a one minute a day person, let's try two minutes. If you're two minutes, let's try 10. If you're 30 minutes, let's try an hour. If you're not eating, you're not prepping food and stuff as much, you've got more time on your hands. Let's cut out other media. Let's cut out uh, different music, uh, web-based entertainment, infotainment, even information itself. Let's cut out uh, all different social media. Let's cut out stuff so that we have more energy. Because what you don't realize is that subtly all that stuff is taking heart energy too. And if I give God more, then it's more likely that I will hear from him what he has to say to me. Um, so I've asked you to, in this three weeks, answer these questions. What do I want to be focused on? Why am I choosing to go without things during this time? What food, to write it down because it will help for you. What food, what drink, what activities, what music, TV, movies, social media activities will I be doing without what will I be praying about? Writing out a prayer list is really helpful. There may be more on your heart than you realize. What days and times will I be in prayer and Bible reading? For some people, it's one big block of time per week. 
That's fine. But write it down. When will you be doing it? Um, And then this is the prayer that I've called us to just to pray uh, during this time. God, you are more important to me than anything else in this world. Thank you for taking away the guilt of my sin through Jesus. This January 5th to the 25th, I'm going without blank. I'm doing this because blank. I will be more focused on you than anything else. I choose to live for you. Please speak to me, God. Thank you. I'm going to ask the band to come back and we're going to um, have a time of prayer and communion where we can right now say, God, search me. Um, If you haven't yet, I would encourage you to read this book by Jensen Franklin called Fasting. It's very small. You can get a paperback, a used paperback on Amazon for a dollar. Okay? Um, It's very small, but it's full of scripture and full of very helpful information about fasting. Um, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that um, fasting is um, one of the main things that has really helped me grow up. When we get alone with God and He gets an opportunity to say, how are you doing? You get an opportunity to say, search me, O God. That's where the meaningful contact occurs. That's where the meaningful exchange between you and the Holy Spirit occurs. Chris, please lead us in prayer and communion. Um, We're going to start with the verse that we started with today. Um, So if you want to just kind of close your eyes and reflect on this before we um, take communion together. This is Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood 